What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome back to the podcast, my friends. I'm so excited to be back in your earbuds to share Dr. Andrea Leschak with you today. She holds a doctor of pharmacy degree and is a board certified geriatric pharmacist. Her career spans more than 25 years with experience in the community as a consultant and as an assistant professor. As a consultant, she partnered with healthcare teams to optimize patient health outcomes, medication safety, and develop risk mitigation strategies. In 2019, after a challenging dive and observing the failure points associated with inadequate planning, she launched Wayfinder Advantage. There, she helps clients offload the heavy lifting associated with health risk mitigation and travel safety planning. She has an extensive history of both domestic and international travel and honed her ability to create travel solutions while helping her own family manage cancer and dementia on the road. When not working, you can find her sailing, looking for the best dive spots and spending time with family. I always love my time with Andrea. We met virtually and have since really connected over sharing our pharmacy background and also sort of diving in, pun kind of intended, into roles that are very outside of the box for pharmacists. She has a really interesting niche in the healthcare world and wellness world with regard to helping people navigate travel situations and insights when dealing with health conditions, or even if you're healthy and just preparing for what might need to be prepared for when you were on the road or flying to a distant, far off land. So I'm really excited to bring this episode to you, a conversation that I think is very unique, but very needed. So please enjoy this conversation with Andrea. All right. I feel like I'm on with a good old friend of mine. We've kind of talked so many times that I just feel we've never even met in person, but I feel like we have just become close. And as much as social media can be, you know, annoying and frustrating and overwhelming at times, social media brought us together. And I'm really just grateful for that. So I'm really excited to bring on Andrea Leschak today to talk about the amazing work she does. Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited. I know I feel the same way. I think we talked maybe a year ago while I was on my boat and we found out we had so many things in common, you know, uh, amazingly good things as well as some unfortunate experience. (laughs) And it was just instantly like, wow you know, we should go down to Panera's and get a cup of coffee. (laughs) Yeah, I know. If we lived close by, we absolutely would. But I do remember that talk on the boat. What a cool time. And I I remember seeing you on the boat thinking, oh, I love how adventurous she is. All right. So cool. Well, let's go ahead and get started with the question I ask all of my guests, which is what does true wellness mean to you? So for me, when I think of, you know, that phrase true wellness, I'm thinking of being whole. Um, and it's something that I actually do with in my work as well as personally, 
but it's the, maybe it sounds a little cliche now, but the mind body, you know, connection, but I also add in situational awareness or that presence of being in the moment where I am and, uh, you know, whether that's, that's good or bad. And so knowing that physically, mentally, um, you know, and that I'm dialed in and, you know, that it's a fit, that I'm aware of where I am and that I feel present in the moment. I mean, that's how I would look at, at that. I love it. Being whole and being present. Super fantastic. I definitely agree with that. And I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Well, you do some really interesting and amazing, very unique niched work. And so I'm excited to dive into this. Um, you know, we share the commonality of a background in traditional pharmacy training. We also share a similarity in sort of branching off from that and doing work that is, is within us to be, you know, a passion, a compelling work to do that we still bring in that pharmacy knowledge skill base. So let's just dive in a little bit to the background that led to the amazing travel health and wellness that you have sort of dove without meaning to, to pun that, but you really are a diver mm-hmm. um, that you've yeah. dove kind of head first into. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was younger, I was just looking at a picture of me um, videotaping stingrays and I was going to do a post that if I was to go back in time to my 16, 17 year old self and say, who is this person, you know, in this picture, I don't think I would have recognized that individual because I mean, I have to, you know, if I, when I'm completely honest with myself, when I was younger, I mean, I was I lived in fear. You know, my sister would joke that, you know, I was that kid that always worried about the meteor falling through the roof, you know, Mm -hmm. while you're asleep. And, um, you know, so many of my choices that I made as I, as I got older were safe. And people might think that becoming a pharmacist seems very bizarre (laughs) because you're like, where is the safety in that? But in my family, you were teachers or you were pharmacists. And even though I wanted to be on AJ Foyt's pit crew, which really dates me from, you know, a child of the eighties and, you know, or maybe, you know, be an adventurer, you know, I knew pharmacy and I went into that world and it wasn't long before I, I learned that it was not in alignment with where I wanted to be. Uh, But I, I'd spent seven years in it, you know, in terms of the education and I enjoyed the education piece. I just didn't enjoy the work. Um, I felt there was so much more I could do and that, oh man, I was just churning out. And I had this vision that if I could just gut it out till I was 42, then I could quit, be a dive instructor, live in the islands, and I'd work part-time for my medical insurance. That was my grand vision. And that was what I was doing until um, in my early thirties, my mom came into my house one day because she had a key (laughs) and she woke me up because I was working night shift. And she's like, the diagnosis is bad we got to talk, call in sick to work. And in that moment, everything that I had planned just literally, I mean, it was like screeched to a halt. And she had an aggressive form of cancer. They were giving her six weeks to live. She beat that and made it four and a half years. But I mean, yeah, all of a sudden, all these choices that I had made that were, you know, of a known world, they just didn't make sense anymore. And so I started changing that air. I, I, I joke about, it. it feels like a pivoting an aircraft carrier because I was so committed to what I was doing. And it took me about a decade to even shift from that world into other forms of pharmacy, which eventually led me to where I am now. Um, but I had these amazing experiences with my mom traveling with her post her cancer treatment 
but they were horrific because she was so fragile. And I can remember being overseas and she got sick in Germany, you know, and you're, and this was before smartphones, you know, and even though I lived in Germany, I spoke some of the language. There was always a, what would I do if, you know, she had a catastrophic failure. And in the back of the mind, that was always churning. So I come into a more modern time into my, you know, I guess it was uh, 2018. I, I was moving to North Carolina. My dad got sick three days after I resigned my contract. And that was like the final, you know, board across the head where I said, I cannot do this anymore. He was diagnosed with dementia. He knew me now. He might not know me in two years. And I just had to stop. So I pulled out of pharmacy 100%. And um, yeah, spent time with him. Uh, and really, while I was off with him, and we were doing multi-generational travel, trying to keep the family together, you know, so that he, you know, my niece and nephew could make memories, we can make memories where he wasn't just sitting in a corner. Um, that's where the idea of what I do now came about. The hairs on my arm stand up. I'm just thinking about the scene of your mom coming in or well, I love that she had a key and I love that you guys were that close. Um, but aside from that, you know, really sweet detail, I, you know, I know that that had to be such a hard, and it's amazing how these memories get burned into our souls, you know, like you could just, you could put yourself right back there. And I, and I saw, I know how that is. And, um, I remember, you know, being in denial when my dad told me the diagnosis, like, well, certainly there's gotta be something wrong with the scan. I mean, that's not something that we deal with. So, um, I can definitely share in that. And, um, you know, and then I, we've talked about at length, you know, a little bit about your dad and, um, and that experience. And it is, it was for me too, these deep experiences of facing the mortality of people that have been such cornerstones in our lives. And then of course, facing our own mortality and, and realizing, wait, like, what am I really doing? And what, if I, if I continue doing this until the day I, I die, is that, does that feel fulfilling? Does that feel like the legacy I want to leave? Does it feel like the purpose that is, is burning inside of me? And so I love that you gave yourself the freedom to think through that and to make the decision to, to pivot. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard because we, we dedicate a whole lot of money and time to a career. And then to make that shift, it's not typically, it is maybe more days now, but not as supported by our peers, others in the, in the field. And they're like, what are you doing? And, um, you know, so it takes a lot of, a lot of work to swim upstream against the external noise. So I definitely want to just congratulate you for making that, that shift. So why I know you have a passion for travel and um, I would just love to hear about how the specific interest into, into really a niche that I have not heard anybody else do. And, and I think that's what's so unique about this is you've kind of created and curated a field that I don't know exists anywhere else exactly like you're doing it. And so, you know, how did this passion spe for specifically focusing on travel come about and what does that practically look like? Right. Yeah. It's, it was really what I was living with my mom and my dad to some extent. Um, in that being able to still live your best life, you know, and, you know, I talk about daring to dream and, and because I have, you know, an intimate experience with fear when I was younger, I remember for me that diving was really my gateway to finding who I was. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I would watch Jacques Cousteau and I'd watch Marlon Perkins on Mutual of Mahal's Wild Kingdom. And I always wanted to be underwater, but, you know, it was such a, 
it seems so out of reach because of, you know, for whatever reason as a child, you know, the, you know, my habits and, and my thoughts. But when I was in college, I was able to get, have my PE course was scuba. And I, it was so interesting because back then, you know, it would have been 1987 and there were only two women in my scuba class and they're like 15, 20 men. And it was a PE course that took a whole quarter. And um, I remember the, the dive instructor, he was still crusty. This is like Navy diving time. You know, we didn't have the, the idea of diving that it is today. And uh, he's like, if you get out of this course, you know, if you can do all this stuff, you know, it's only the toughest. And I'm like, God, you know, it's scuba class in college. But I just remember how it ignited this desire to get out there and, and do different things. And so when I was, when I was faced with my mom's mortality and I was in my, my mid thirties, you know, I had, what I'd realized is I hadn't traveled in pretty much a decade. I got a job. And I was like, oh, one day I'll, I'll start diving. And all I did was work and my health was falling apart. And her illness was really, you know, that looking in the mirror, so to speak, that if, you know, if I made it into my fifties, I was going to be a train wreck. And I fell back onto diving. And, you know, I, it was then and there that I, I, I rekindled that passion of the water. Well, what I learned traveling with her is that we all have our why and her motivating factor to surviving another day, she loved to travel, was that I want to be out there doing, I want to be out there with a brand new grandbaby, I want to take him to Disney. And so I was watching how travel was really driving her to keep going, to stay in shape, uh, to be dialed in, to be learning new things. Um, and so I was watching that with her, yet I was living the, the fear, you know, the terror of being a, a daughter traveling with somebody that, I, you know, with my health background, knowing, oh my gosh, you know, she could just drop at any minute um, because of a lot of the adverse effects from her treatments, you know, that it was not restorative. It wasn't restful for me out there traveling with her. It was nerve wracking. And I can remember talking to my sister later after we would took her to Disney and we thought she might like. I mean, I hate to be so, you know, matter of fact about it, but we thought we killed her one day because she refused a wheelchair, you know, and she looked horrible. Um, and my sister and I were like, good grief, if we could offload <laughs> this stress and anxiety, we could actually be with her in this moment. And so it wasn't something I acted upon. Like I said, you know, it took me <laughs> until my dad got sick to really piece it together and the final minute for me, it wasn't just him getting sick because I was now I was leveraging what I knew to travel with him well with his dementia, but I was diving in the Galapagos and we were, you know, 20 hours by boat out in the Galapagos, um, you know, away from land. And I had a horrific dive experience um, that I had to, you know, call the dive, went to the surface. I was fine. But as I was out there, I'm watching these other divers have problems as well. And later on, I'm finding out about one of them had had a valve replacement. One of them had had like quadruple bypass. In my mind, I'm working, what would any of y'all done if we're out here in the middle of the Galapagos and all this stuff falls apart? And that was really the, you know, the, the marriage of my life, of what I was doing, my life experiences, diving and now sailing. I sail much more now than I dive. Uh, but looking at how, you know, people still want to be dialed in, you know, and a lot of them are older when they're doing these adventure travel, because let's be real, that's when they've saved up enough money to be able to drop, you know, 10, 15 grand on a trip to Antarctica or something. But life has also taken its toll. So whether it's diabetes, whether it's respiratory illness, quadruple bypass, there's all these other challenges that they're trying to manage while they're out there 
dialed in. And so that's what I created was the ability to stand back, talk to folks. And if somebody comes to me and says, I want to go to Machu Picchu, you know, we, we get into the why they want to travel. Where's that burning coming from? What's driving that excitement? But then also we bring, we marry the logistics of, well, do you, have you ever been to altitude? How far do you hike? <laughs> you know, cause if all you ever do is take a walk after dinner for about a mile at sea level, well, that's fantastic. And I don't diminish that. That's not hiking to Machu Picchu. And so we work those problems before they ever leave. We create that safety plan, um, the, the strategy that keeps them well dialed in. And then, you know, in essence, they have a lifeline back to me if they were to get out there and something goes awry. Um, and so that's really how I ended up with what I'm doing now. I just love this because it's one of those things where it's like, it's such a need and, and it's just gone un, un, un or underserved. I don't know, you know, like we talked about before, there may be people secretly doing similar things, but I feel like you've just got, because of your background, got such a good, such a great way to approach this in, and because you love travel, you have traveled to some really amazing places. You have physically done the thing and you have been with sick family members and you know what is, is needed. So you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm visualizing these groupings of people. There's like this, I see this group of people who maybe is sick and they don't think they can travel because it seems too overwhelming. So for them, maybe they're missing out. Then I see maybe the more adventurous group who is sick and maybe, maybe does so without doing all the planning and, um, and doesn't do the necessarily plan planning, but they're super adventurous. They do it anyways and just hope for the best. And then the healthy people who I think there's still even a need, even for those who seem otherwise healthy, because what if you get into an emergency situation where you're at, do you know, you know, if it's overseas, do you know how, who's going to cover this, this, you know, necessary service? And do you know what hospitals are around you and which one you would choose? Are there multiple options? I, so I, it's like, I see a need across the board with all of these pockets of people. And it's just such an interesting take on this. So let's talk to the people who are listening, who are like, okay, I, I kind of get it. It seems pretty, you know, niched and luxurious, you know, but what, um, talk to us about some of the concerns. So why, why is this so important? What are some of the potential hazards of not doing this planning? Well, I think it's interesting because you did, you described it. Travel health and wellness planning is, is appropriate for every traveler. Um, how far we go into the weeds varies on where you're going, what you're bringing to the table, like your baseline health and fitness, and what you plan on doing when you get there, right? And so if you're a business traveler and you're popping in for 24 hours and you're not really leaving the airport, you know, you're healthy um, and you're going to be around a known entity, you know, that's a different review than say you're going for two weeks, you're doing, you know, Galapagos, and then you're doing an Amazon extension. And, you know, you've had a quadruple bypass, and you're carrying it. And maybe now you actually have cancer or something, and you're being treated with opioids. Because what I have found is people, you don't know what you don't know. And it doesn't matter where you go, that that is truth, right? And so there are so many logistical, uh, or potential logistical challenges when you travel, if you have illness, um, because it just starts to layer, it becomes a cascade. So I use the example of traveling with opioids. Well, depending on where you're going, that can be a problem. Certain countries have quantity limitations, like how, and this is where the pharmacist in me, like, ooh, you know, flares up. You know, how many tablets can you take into a country? Everybody 
Americans or people from the United States can kind of say, oh, well, you know, I've got a prescription. My doctor says I need it. I'm good to go. Well, that depends on what country you're in. Some have limits for seven days, some a month. Some countries, it's not just opioids, but they consider psychotropics. So if you were on an, a medication for, say, schizophrenia or depression, it may get lumped under that. It may be one of those things that the medications are completely legit to bring in, but your physician has to write a report or a letter, or maybe your physician has to talk to a physician in that country and get signed off. I mean, you know, it's a big world and there's a lot of different, you know, th these are kind of small uh, regulations for certain countries. There's not as many like that, but still it can happen. And I've heard, well, I'll just ask forgiveness, not permission. And I can tell you, that's not the position you want to be in when you're trying to get back on your flight with somebody standing there possibly with, you know, a weapon <laughs> asking you in a language you don't speak why you're carrying medications that you didn't declare when you came in. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, my pharmacist side that looks at it. There's also challenges with certain um, illnesses. And, you know, this is where I would partner with somebody's physician to see, you know, what kind of strategies do we need to put into place to make sure they travel well? So somebody that might be predisposed to say um, blood clots, um, you know, they're gonna be on many long flights. And, you know, there's this discussion about, well, just be, by being in a plane, am I greater rid of, of risk of a blood clot? Well, you know, some feel yes, there's others that would say maybe not. The problem is, is you're sedentary, you're just sitting on the plane and maybe you're dehydrated. And so say that person also has a prostate disorder and they don't wanna get up and pee all the time. So they're purposefully limiting their fluid intake. Now, you know, they're adding onto it. So there's all these little nuances that go into play, you know, storing medications, transporting them, knowing who to call. I've been in Egypt, my husband got sick, you know, um, Everybody counts on smartphones and this technology, but I tell you, all it takes is for your battery to die um, or for you to be a solo traveler like I am frequently. If I was to pass out, my phone's password protected. Nobody's going to be able to get any of my contact information off of my phone. So the only thing somebody could go by is me. So I have to have that redundancy. So even though I'm a healthy traveler, if I'm traveling solo, I need something on me that says, hey, this is what I need done if you find me. <laughs> So those are the types of practical things. And there's so many more and every situation has something different. It's also interesting because yeah, the pharmacist brain in me, I talk to people often. I don't talk to them about traveling outside of the country, but even within the country, you know, specifically about the opioid situation, we're like, okay, don't throw a couple in your pocket. You know, these are controlled substances, some of those basic things. But I, I, even I didn't know, I didn't know there were, there were day supply limitations when you go somewhere else. Um, so you can't take your bottle of, you know, however many days supply to, you know, so I didn't know that. And if we don't know, if I don't know that, then for sure, you know, somebody else who hasn't previously encountered the situation likely doesn't know that. And so you're right. We don't, there's a whole lot we don't know and we don't know what we don't know. So having somebody like you who has traveled and who has the medical background is so valuable. Uh, I could just, I, I, it's almost like it's not even a question about how necess necessary this is. Talk a little bit about, I think people take for granted that if they were to get travel insurance, I think a lot of people understand, or at least have a, an idea that 
probably my insurance here isn't going to cover me. And then if I just get travel insurance, I used to work at a hospital that took in a lot of tourists in Orlando and they also coming over to the States assumed that their travel insurance was going to cover everything and it mostly covered nothing. And so I think, you know, parallel, we us doing the same to another country, we might get some travel insurance, might get sold that either in the process of booking our flight or whatever and assume we're covered. But what what are your what's your understanding on that, how well that covers us or not well and what people should know about that? Right. Well, it's a very broad discussion and it is something we look at. Now I'm not a, you know, I'm not an insurance advisor, but I do work with the insurances and broadly what we there's three major categories that we think of. One being trip cancellation, which is something that you would get through a booking. Like you, you want to book a flight, you book your hotel and your rental car, and somebody gets sick at home and you can't travel, you know, then you can cancel that flight. So that would be trip cancellation insurance. The next one would be travel medical insurance. And that can vary depending on where you're going. And it can also sometimes require riders by what you're doing. So diving, um, sometimes it's, well, can be considered like an extreme or an adventure sport. So you'd have, if you got a travel medical policy that you'd have to make sure that you declared what countries you were going to, and that can vary by what you would need. Um, and then you would also have to look at the activities that you were doing. Cause if you were rock climbing, whitewater rafting, uh, scuba diving, sometimes offshore sailing falls into that category. Uh, you might need additional coverage because if you were injured doing one of those activities that would be considered more than just going to your local museum. And then there's the emergency evacuation insurance which is more of the, the Cadillac version. Yet even it can vary because there are policies where people think, oh, and, and COVID brought this to light a lot because people are like, oh, well, I'll just get emergency evacuation insurance. And if I have picked up COVID, um, you know, and I'm traveling to, you know, wherever, um, I don't want to be treated by their medical system. I want to come home. My emergency evacuation insurance will get me home. Not necessarily. Um, uh, what a lot of these policies are is that it would help you get from a hospital that, that was inadequate, from a treatment center that's inadequate, to one that has the care that you need. Um, that's not necessarily coming back home, wherever home is. And so people really need to dig into the weeds and talk to the people that they're buying the insurance from, and then <laughs> really read that fine print because coronavirus brought this again to the forefront, that acts of God clause that a lot of these insurances carry. Um, now they'll say, because it's a known pandemic, you aren't supposed to be traveling. And in, I know some countries are open and some aren't. And depending on when people listen to this, this that could be outdated. But once there's a known something, a lot of these policies, they may not cover it anymore. Um, and so you have to find out, you know, what happens if there's civil unrest? What if there's a natural disaster? I mean, I was talking to a couple of clients earlier in the year, and I, I made a comment about a volcano in the Caribbean or an earthquake in the Caribbean. They laughed at me. Well, guess what we have now? A volcano down in the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you have to realize that when we're, when I'm working with folks, we're looking at everything um, and piecing together a holistic approach. So that, you know, my whole goal is for you to go out and do this type of travel over and over again. Mm, yes, uh, that volcano in the Caribbean <laughs> is, it's true. Like when do you, and I think it, it had been, 
several decades. I don't remember when the last mm-hmm. eruption was, but I have a friend whose family lived near that area. And I was like, wow, who would ever, I, I had no idea. I had no idea volcanoes were erupting in that area of the world. And so, yeah, it's planning for potentially anything. And you, do your clients, I know you mentioned earlier, your clients would have the ability to contact you from that country if they found themselves in a situation where maybe you had planned for it, but now they're like not totally sure which direction to go with it. So they would be able to call you for, okay, okay, now I'm finding myself in this situation. What's your guidance with that? Is that true? Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I I have different ways that I work with folks, but it's interesting. I was on Facebook the other day. Um, It's been a few weeks now. And there was a discussion in one of the groups and identified as a female traveler saying, you know, upset stomach, three days in, what should I do? So calling out to the Facebook, you know, uh, power of the of the group. And people were saying, you need to go get an antibiotic. You'll be good to go. Um, you need to gut it out. Some people were putting questionable <laughs> home remedies up. And I wrote, you know, I, I, I respect the, the group knowledge here, but at three days, if you're still sick, and, it, and she, you know, said that she was not just not feeling good, but she was still sick, you need to go see medical, you know, seek medical care. Because at three days, I mean, a self-limiting illness should have gone away. That's, you know, you would have been uncomfortable getting to it, but it shouldn't still be there. I mean, it could have been gallbladder. I mean, there's, again, so many different things that it could have been. Um, so one, she would have needed to go and, and talk to somebody. But I remember thinking, ah, if you had worked with me, you would have known what to do because these are the types of problems we work through. So she would have had her pre-meds in case she needed an antibiotic. She, we would have been able to liaise with a physician or whoever her healthcare provider is to say, yes, take them if you need it. Um, if she'd been in the middle of nowhere, she couldn't and, and been able to reach me. Yeah, she could have certainly given me a call and said, hey, you know, what do I do now? And I could have at least worked that problem from the comfort of my living room as opposed to her, you know, and I don't know where she was, but I mean, maybe she was in a hotel, but maybe she was on a bus, you know, somewhere. And, you know, you don't always have the services that you might think available. And so I can certainly work with people as that lifeline back if, if that's something that they would need. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting how many things I see, you know, with people that I haven't worked with, that I'm like, oh, you know, this, this would probably not, you would probably not be reaching out to crowdsource (laughs) Facebook groups if uh, we had chatted. Mm, What a good point, because that's the issue with social media, right? It's good and bad. And we have Mm -hmm. access to anybody and everybody and anybody and everybody wants to share their advice. And it's not always super sound advice. And of course, the person on the receiving end of that advice is like, oh, super easy. I'm in a country where I can go to the pharmacy and get an antibiotic over the counter, which in some countries you can, and you just talk mm-hmm. to the pharmacist. And I, you know, and and if that's possible here, that sounds like the path of least resistance. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And you're right. It, it certainly could be something more complicated. And if you aren't seeking the care that is most appropriate, that could spiral very quickly. So really just interesting. You know, I think we take for granted a lot of things. Um, I think traveling is a hobby and passion for a lot of people and doing it safely is not really something that's been modeled for us. You know, we kind of just wing it and hope for the best. And maybe, you know, this also would open the door for people who have been just too terrified. Like I said, that sort of first grouping that I was visualizing of people who 
maybe could travel safely if their physician cleared them. Um, and maybe they've been overwhelmed by the, you know, uncertainties and the unknowns. And if they would have you, they would, that would open the door to, to do it more safely and have somebody to call, which is, is so fantastic. How do people find you? When, I mean, how have you, do doctors in your area know about you? Um, do you have people referring you? Is it mostly they Google? How, how are they finding you? Well, um, usually it's word of mouth and referrals right now. Um, last year, obviously with COVID, when people stopped traveling, there was a flurry in the beginning, but then a lot of travelers, you know, were just sitting on the sidelines like I am. So oftentimes it's referrals. I am on Facebook, Instagram. I'm just getting into that world. I'm on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, it tends to be referrals uh, and, and me working with other people you know, other industry or other uh, healthcare practitioners, letting them know I'm out there. Um, but that is something that I am actively working on now through things like, you know, chatting with you um, and, and just having those connection calls, um, you know, in some of these groups that I'm in, uh, you know, there's just some really interesting, you know, there's some really savvy travelers. And then there's also some really not responsible practices. And I'm reading a book right now that's interesting because the gentleman who wrote it, he is an incredibly, uh, you know, world-renowned sailor. And he makes, I, I'm going to get the, the quote or the definition of what he calls experience correct, but it's basically experienced people or expert people or ones who have made mistakes a number of times yet somehow survived it. Um, and so I think about that because that's what people that travel, you know, that have you know, they're really great travelers, you know, we all have our stories and thankfully, you know, somehow we figured it out, but there's so much stress and anxiety that comes around from that, that it sort of would have been nice to not have to go through that, you know, that steep learning curve in the first place. Yeah. I think this is, this is the thing, you know, with us coming out of pharmacy, not really being taught how to, how to run businesses, trying to figure, figure it out. We have this, you know, this valuable service, but it's like, how do we get the word out? You know, and you know, we're all just kind of imperfectly fumbling around, but I, I absolutely believe in the work that you do. And I'm honored to even be a minor platform for you to be able to share it. I, I love that LinkedIn is also an option. And yeah, I mean, I'm not really the the person either to sort of pound the pavement and go to doctor's offices. And um, although, you know, there, there was a time and a day and there probably still are people doing that. And I think there's value to, to, you know, that practice. It's really just not, you know, I, I don't, that feels too salesy for me. So, you know, it, yeah. it's like, how do we navigate this and, and have people know that this service is out there? And um, I think you're doing a great job with the, with the resources that we have to, to do your best. And it, there is no question that this can and does save lives. And I love that it allows people to have peace of mind. Like you talked about with your mom, can we just be present on this vacation? You know, because then it's like, okay, maybe there are ways that we can do this, but I don't want to do it because it's, it feels too stressful. I would rather just vacation supposed to be vacation. You know, it's not supposed to be work. And if somebody could offload that work and, you know, for you to be able to do that and to get them organized and to prepare for as many uncertainties as possible, there will always be, you know, it never will be a hundred percent, but to prepare for as many uncertainties to what to expect and for people to be able to have an amazing time together as a family or solo. But I think it's so, so valuable. I enjoy traveling and can imagine that if that was limited by my health, I would be seeking any option I could find to help me do that safely because I wouldn't want to give that up. So um, 
I'm just so appreciative of the work that you do. You're an amazing person. Like I said, I feel like we've been friends forever and it's really, it's all just, it's all connected um, because of LinkedIn, but I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, and for these platforms serving the purpose that they do. And so tell everybody how they can find you. I will have it all in the show notes, but if they want to learn more, uh, where do they go? Well, um, I'm on Facebook at Wayfinder Advantage, um, at Wayfinder Advantage, because that's the name of my company. Um, and at, uh, and online, it's, you know, wayfinderadvantage.com. Can I just add something really quickly, though? Yeah, add away. Talking, and you had mentioned that group of travelers that might be anxious or the ones that, you know, feel so overwhelmed. And we've talked a lot about the physical aspects of, of, of health. But what I'm also learning is how many travelers that don't travel, they're sitting on the sidelines because of mindset. They, they just don't have the confidence. Their mind goes to all the horrific things that could possibly happen. And so they're, you know, like they're living life through the Discovery Channel, you know, or National Geographic. They're not physically out there. And I found this in the world of sailing when I realized how few female sailors I was running into. And you know, I started working with them and found that, you know, the, the, the type of work that we do, we can also work on that confidence, the empowerment that comes from solo travel or from adventure travel. Um, and, and it doesn't always have to be because I know that I've talked to some people and they think that I only work with people if they have, you know, like a defined illness. And that's not the case. I have folks that when they think about, you know, going on a boat, they instantly think about pirates or sharks. And I can tell you with sharks, I don't understand quite the challenge because the sharks are in the water and you're in a boat. But <laughs> I also work on that as well. So it's all about getting out there and just doing what you want with as few obstacles and barriers as possible. Such a good point. Such a good point. Because yeah, it might just be an anxiety related situation and that's actually pretty common. I've even, you know, even some of my clients have had that issue with traveling, even though that's not the primary purpose I'm helping them with, but that comes up, you know, like I've got to go see my family. And because um, something happened in the past, I have some anxiety over doing this travel and, and then it seeps into everyday life and, uh, and it potentially could keep them from seeing their family or mm-hmm. keep them from being adventurous. And it, it's so true. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing how much adventure is out there and how limited, you know, limited people are by um, sometimes just, you know, their, their thought, what other people have told them or what the TV is telling them is super scary yeah. or their own experiences leading to, you know, some post-traumatic stress disorder situations. And so I love that you're able to work with people and share in how amazing travel and adventure has been for you and how amazing it could be for them as well. If, if you could just, you know, work with them a little bit and get them to a point of feeling at peace with it, knowing that, there is a level of peace to know she's got my back. You know, Andrew's got my back. I, you know, she may not be with me next to me on the plane, but I know it's before I get on, I can call her. And when I land, I can call her and um, I'll have that, that person, you know, a point of contact that that's, that's invaluable. So yeah, yeah. Really great. Okay. So Wayfinder Advantage, yep. social media. Also, that's your website. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. Definitely. And I'm on uh, Instagram and it's Dr. Andrea L. Oshtek, which is a lot. So they'll it'd be easier to read in the, in the notes. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. I don't know if I've connected with you on Instagram, so I'll have to do that. Wonderful. I know that's, it's uh, like, it's so funny us trying to figure out all these social media channels. I there, and there's so many more that my son's on that I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I can't do that. I have to limit this at some point. So um, I love it. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on and sharing and just for being an amazing light and human in the world. I've really loved connecting with 
with you. And if you're listening and you don't necessarily see a need um, in your own life for a travel health advisor, just connect with Andrea anyways, because she's super cool and she's a really great person and um, fi- find her. And then when you do need her, you'll already have connected and, and it'll be super easy. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you so much to Andrea for this time today. What a really interesting way to combine your interest of traveling and helping those with their healthcare needs while doing so. I just love it. I love everything that she's doing. I think it's super important that we begin to think about these things and plan for them, not in a, you know, obsessive or neurotic way, but just we plan for so many things in life. And I talk to my clients about this often is that we are taught to plan, but when it comes to our health and wellness, that is not typically modeled for us. So I love that Andrea is modeling a way that we can plan for adventures in this life. And I highly encourage you to follow her and even just check out her website, get some of her insights and consider her for your travel planning in the future. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If so, I would really appreciate it if you would leave me a review on iTunes. It really comes in handy to help people learn about this podcast since I don't typically have other ways of marketing it than word of mouth. So really, really appreciated. I read all of the reviews and take them to heart. And I would also love it if you would share any of your feedback or ideas for future episodes, you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash minding wellness and send me a brief audio message. You don't even have to take the time to type it out. You can just speak right into it and it'll send me your audio message and I will personally listen to all of them. You can find that link in the show notes and info on Andrea also in the show notes. Thank you so much. I will see you here again next week.